Hello, and welcome to Things of Interest. I'm Sophia France. And I'm Serena Chan. This week, we're talking about celebrities and the phenomenon of celebrity. What is celebrity? Who are celebrities? Are they just like people with slightly more Instagram followers than us? Or is there something else going on there? Thanks to the increased amount of access that we have to essentially people and potential fans, and a greater variety of media that's being made literally all of the time, more and more people are hitting sort of low-level fame. You might be particularly famous within one circle, or you might be Donald Trump levels of famous, where unfortunately that translated into you becoming President of the United States. (laughs) But celebrity is a very interesting idea because it's changed so much with the advent of technology giving us that greater access and giving us that greater variety of media. We're back in the day, um, I don't know if it said Betty Midler or Bet Midler. Um, I want to say Betty. Okay. Well, she was famous, as was people <laughs> like Audrey Hepburn, movie stars, people who had a very strict definition of what a public profile looks like. But today, people are Instagram famous, people are Twitter famous, people are thought leaders. People become famous from being on like a reality TV show for maybe three seasons, and they make careers out of that, which is absolutely fascinating. But fame doesn't always mean that people are treated well within the circles in which they became famous, especially for circumstances like if you're a member of the LGBTQ plus community, like when Narcissa Wright, who is an incredible uh, speedrunner, which is a very niche area of video gaming, <laughs> when she came out as being trans, a lot of the community turned their backs on her, and a lot of them still use her dead name to refer to her old tricks used in speedrunning. Damn. And that's something we need to talk about when we talk about celebrity as well. What does all of this mean? What does this mean for us? What does this mean for celebrities? Because they are people as well. They're famous and often richer than us, but they are still flawed human beings who can sometimes say really shitty things. And what does that mean for us as a society? Because when you have this incredible access to essentially people's private lives and their thought processes, when someone may have initially started using Twitter as a way to like just vent at the end of the day, but they now have like tens of thousands of followers and can't exactly use it for that, that changes how we interact with each other. I know literally every time I go on live radio, I have a good half hour panic beforehand that I might say something racist. And every time I confess this to a friend, they're like, But Sophia, you're not a racist. And it's like, yes, but what if I panic and say something racist? Right, it's about perception rather than intention. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I mean, like, perception is ultimately the most important part of that. But I think, like, a really good starting place for us to discuss the phenomenon of celebrity, particularly with regards to today's world, is whether celebrities have a duty to be role models or if they have to be outspoken for the groups they represent. What do you think, Serena? I'm definitely, like the first person to stand up for humans and treating humans as humans, if that makes sense. So people need people need the space and the safety around them to make mistakes because that's how we learn. And while it's unhelpful if a celebrity makes a mistake, it's even more unhelpful for them to then be completely shut off from the community. But however, in saying that, I mean, there's a time and a place for everything. And I don't think we can exist in the world of today in the highly connected world of today without being aware of just how much people we're reaching with our words even if we're not celebrities Um, and if you are a celebrity then 
you cannot be excused for not being aware of your influence. And I do think there is a lot of responsibility that comes with that. And even though while people should be allowed to make mistakes and should be allowed to, you know, be forgiven and learn from those mistakes, it's, it, again, it's like any other hard question. It depends on the context. It depends on the situation. It depends on if, you know, you made this mistake in a circle of close friends or if you said something really not cool to millions of people and then defended yourself again and again after criticism. It all depends. Or if, like, your actions, because, like, when people refer to role models, often the first thing I think about is the way we treat our sports players. Ah, right. And how, particularly in New Zealand, but also to a degree, like, in Australia, um, you get this incredible forgiveness for people who are good at sports if they um, take illegal drugs, if they are... 90% 90% of the time, it's some sort of violence against women. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was trying hard to be like, other things, bad things that sports people do. Actually, um, drunk driving is one of yep. them as well. And we have this incredible ability to forgive sports people. And often this is because, you know, it's really important that they're good as sports. But I think to a degree, like, they're important as role models as well. And when we forgive people who are very good at sport for doing these really shitty things and often, like, explicitly violent things often like there have been so many reports where like all blacks or other rugby stars in new zealand have committed violence against women have committed sexual assault against women and it's kind of been like well i guess they can still play sport because like the two aren't related except intrinsically they are the amount of power you have when you become a celebrity and that imbalance of power when it comes to interacting with people around you like that necessarily means that that affects the interpretation of when you perpetrate crimes and the impact that that has because like a young boy who really looks up to the all blacks might see them getting away with things like this and go well that must be fine then because my sports heroes do that and i think to a degree essentially yeah like celebrities particularly celebrities who can explicitly opt into celebrity if that makes sense like they have that duty to be role models yeah, absolutely. And I think it's it'll help a lot. It helps a lot to really think about defining what a celebrity is. And I think what a celebrity, you know, what separates someone from being a celebrity of some kind to just a really popular person is that we see celebrities, they kind of transcend their humanity in that we place our own beliefs, we place our own morals, we place our own metaphors, and we place our own ideologies onto these celebrities. So when a big rugby star, you know, is surrounded by scandal and it turns out that he's committed acts of domestic violence, this isn't just a rugby star who's committed acts of domestic violence. This is a hero. This is a person who embodies some sort of ideology of what an upstanding citizen of our community should be. And this is why it's there's this weird kind of backlash that while the public doesn't support domestic violence, they are willing to forgive this celebrity because they see their own hopes and dreams in the celebrity. And I think that, I mean, there's a tension there in that it's both a good thing and a bad thing. The obvious bad thing being that you don't want these people to be role-modeling terrible behavior to to not even kids but to just 
freaking adults who also need role models. Or I think being seen to not be impacted by terrible behaviour. And, like, in the last episode we sort of touched on the fact that, like, Johnny Depp's still doing fine. I hate that so much. Bill Cosby's still doing fine. And, like, often that's something that splits along gender lines as well, right? Like, Amanda Burns has spoken out about her um, difficulties with mental illness. Like, Lindsay Lohan obviously has been, like, a very public person who's gone through um, difficulties and I believe went to rehab. And we've laughed at them and we've stopped engaging with them. And Johnny Depp, everyone's like, oh, but there's this big gap between, like, what he does in his personal life and his movies that he makes. He's still a good actor. It's like, yeah, he's still a good actor. But he's also someone who, like, ah, do I still have to say allegedly? I think I do. Mm, Allegedly beat his girlfriend. In, In large quotation marks. Yeah, I think we have to still say allegedly. Ugh. And it's just like... Cool. And, like, with Bill Cosby, it's not even allegedly anymore. Like, he's committed acts of sexual violence and we're still like, oh, yeah, but he's still a bit funny, eh? It's like, fuck So the, the Bill Cosby case really, I mean, both cases make my skin crawl, but what was quite astonishing about the Bill Cosby case was that, uh, you know, he admitted these crimes, he obviously did them, but when it came to his trial and being in front of a jury, he, he played up. Because, you know, Bill Cosby played, like, really lovable characters. And he started putting on the characteristics of the characters that he used to play. And he started playing that, like, goofy family man to the jury. And that just... It is a really startling display of how celebrities essentially manipulate the public to get their opinion on their side. And while this is something that happens, you know, every day with all celebrities and a lot of celebrities, I mean, they're paid for being famous. So this is, you know, their, their life income. They, they have to play this game. But to see that manipulation being used to get away with something as horrendous as what Bill Cosby did, that really makes my skin crawl. Um, and I think it was covered really well. Have you watched the most recent season of Master of None? Yes. Incredible show. So I think it was covered really well in this. And, um, like, definite spoilers here. So skip ahead, like, five minutes if you haven't watched it and still want to. Please watch the show. It is fantastic. So it's sort of revealed in the later episodes of the season that the guy, the Aziz Ansari's character, is working with um, Chef Jeff, like, just sexually harassed and assaults women like nobody's business. But he's mm-hmm. this famous, nice, cool guy. And in Aziz Ansari's character finds out about this and is, like, really conflicted about what to do and sort of, you know, does, I think what anyone sort of would have done where, you know, you give your friends the best advice you possibly can and then you panic and freeze about what to do in your own life. Um, yep. <laughs> which I think was a very accurate portrayal uh, of, yeah, when you realise that someone around you is perpetrating crimes like these, like, you do kind of panic and take a very long time to figure out what to do with that information. Um, so, mm-hmm. like, I'm definitely very sympathetic there. And then it becomes public while Aziz Ansari's character, Dev, and um, the guy he's working with are on a live TV show. And it's hosted by Raven Simone, who is incredible. Who's great. Oh, she's so good. And she basically sort of, like, hounds him out of the show when this becomes public. Like, he storms off. 
And Deb is just kind of like, well, I'm tired with the same brush as you now, but like you can't mm-hmm. keep working. Like he's sort of very clear in the show, I think, particularly is very clear on the fact that like this man cannot continue to be famous, to be working like this in um mm. if he's committed like if he's done this. And to an extent that's kind of like a nicer vision of the world we live in. Because even when people go public with these things, men continue to work. Men continue to be famous and maybe they like disappear for a couple of months, but then they come back and it's all fine again. Yeah. There are so many, so many fascinating things to unpack about that Raven scene in Master of None. The first of which being the fact that men just male celebrities get away with bullshit. Um, The second of which, which I found really interesting, was the fact that news spreads at such a speed these days that one is often left with no time to consider and to really think about the information that has just surfaced. So this was Dev's, Dev's downfall in that scene, is that he wasn't given the time he found out, like, you know, right before, during an ad break or something, he wasn't given the time to consider whether he should help out his friend, because his friend's saying that, like, his, you know, celebrity star chef friend is saying, all of this is bullshit, Um, and he's like, oh no, but wait a minute, I, you know, I think these accusations are true, because I've heard them from multiple sources, and he hasn't given the time to fully process how to respond to it in a public way, and suddenly he's pushed in front of cameras, much like how most of us are pushed, well, not really pushed, but, you know, we live in... A very instant world, yeah. Yeah, instant and public lives these days. And no one's really given the time to think about how to respond to something publicly and how that might not only change how other people perceive you, but how other people perceive these topics. Yeah. And that was really interesting. The third interesting thing that I found... Um, really fascinating in that Raven scene was how how quickly Raven went after was it Jeff? He seems like a Jeff anyway. <laughs> his name is not important, but how quickly she essentially how quickly her tone towards him changed after that re- reveal of the information, and how in this world in this incredibly instant world. I'm not sure how to phrase this because she was obviously right and doing a great job to really ask him the tough, uh, hard-hitting questions of like, you know, is this true? How dare you? Like, do you think it's okay to be doing these things? And, you know, to really not hold back. But at the same time, this was shown like right at the end when her tone of voice changed from like being really attacking and accusational from that to like being really happy and a a host again when she's like announcing the ad break do you remember that yeah I do I definitely do yeah and that really I don't know it just so perfectly embodies how even though the act of you know calling people especially celebrities out is so important it's just as a part of curating your personal brand as anything else I think you're very, very correct in that. And that sort of like, while it was a necessary thing to do and like it could very well have been coming from a true place, it was as much part of the front as anything else. Yeah. And this is what I love about Master of None is that it just explores a lot of these really complex situations with nuance. And that's 
I don't know. I feel like it's rare these days. Oh, definitely. And um, like you, you made the point sort of before we started uh, recording that like there's this incredible tension between being authentic and needing to be a celebrity. Mm. And that like authenticity is definitely something we we claim to want. Um, and I think like it's often a very good trait to have. Like that's something I get a lot of feedback on actually when I do public speaking or like when I do recordings for people. They're like, "Oh, you're a very authentic voice," and it's like it's because it's my voice. <laughs> um, I don't. How how else would I be? Uh, yeah. But particularly, I'm like I, I'm not going to say I'm a celebrity yet. But I think like. It is difficult to find a good middle ground between curating your personality so that you can essentially stay famous and continue to have a personal brand, but also curating your personality so you can be safe almost. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Like when when you're at that level of celebrity, a lot of it is self-protection. The thing, the thing with authenticity and why it's such a sought-after value is – because it's scarce, it's rare. I mean, we're, we live in a world where most of our interactions with our friends are online through social media, often through very public medias. Everything is more and more performed rather than, you know, in the moment. Everything is written in ink, if you will. Everything is recorded rather than experienced and thrown away. And because we live in a world like that, it really, it optimizes, like it teaches us and it conditions us to behave less and less authentically, less and less in the moment. And we tend to think more about how our actions, our words and everything will be perceived by others rather than just, you know, living in the moment, which is why authenticity is such a rare and like beloved trait. And it's also why when you look at really well-known celebrities and when you look at big YouTube names and Instagrammers and you know those kinds of celebs it's really fascinating because what they're essentially doing is that they're performing authenticity as paradoxically as that sounds but that's what sells their content that's what enriches their brand Kim K that is what her whole empire is based around is just the performance of authenticity she's you know a beautiful celebrity with a lot of money and a lot of riches but you know she ugly cries she gets mad at people for no reason she's performing this authenticity she's performing the whole you know celebs they're just like us thing while completely not being like us at all and that's one of the most I don't know it's one of the most fascinating tensions in the idea of celebrity is this whole curation of your public image and this curation of how the public perceive events. I think as well that's something where I see very clear um, cultural lines drawn between places. So like by watching a Ameri like American YouTubers particularly, I don't see them as authentic as all at all. Like I often find <laughs> it quite jarring and I really don't have time for it. Whereas I find it much more difficult to tell when it comes to Australian or New Zealanders who are celebrities. It's um I think to a degree that might be because we just are more authentic and like I think that's very much um, how New Zealand tends to treat its celebrities a little bit different because when you're from a country of 4.5 million people that's not big like you probably know no. a celebrity like I know people who know people who know Anna Paquin like and she's been in X-Men movies it's bananas it's just it's very interesting to see what passes for authenticity between essentially like different cultural 
boundaries. Um, I also find like your comments around it quite interesting in the sense that like when you talk about performing authenticity, uh, the first thought that comes to mind is like having depression as a teenager and like Mm. essentially always having to perform myself, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And so while definitely uh, things have shifted to the extent that like we now need to if you're interested in having a social media presence to a large extent, like you will be sort of performing a degree of your personality. People with mental illness have probably been doing that their entire lives. <laughs> and I've certainly found the shift towards like more instant social media almost quite freeing because I can have really honest discussions about my mental health, about like my medications, about my health in general. And I don't have to like look at anyone's faces while I do it, which is fantastic. <laughs> I've had the the weird kind of situation where if I if I'm happy in the moment and I make a happy post, does that make my my other moments where I'm not happy and I'm not feeling great about anything in the world ever, does that invalidate them? And then you know, vice versa. If I, it's such a weird thing to catch myself thinking about, it's such a weird thing to catch my myself thinking about the narrative of my public posts in social media because why like why do I care (laughs) but but at the same time I kind of have to care because this is how people see each other now this is how people experience each other like I probably see what I catch up with 10 friends in real life on a monthly basis so this is how we I love how introverted you are (laughs) (laughs) yeah I I'm not very good at... So when you said um, you know a friend who knows a friend who knows Anna Paquin kind of thing, uh, before this episode, I was trying to think about like whether I actually knew or knew of or knew of of any celebrities, and the answer is no. <laughs> my my dad worked with Moss Burmester's brother, and to me, Moss Burmester is a celebrity. Who is it? Uh, he has been in New Zealand's Olympic swimming team. Oh, cool. As a... Formerly competitive swimmer, um, I follow the New Zealand Olympic swimming teams quite closely. Uh, and, like, similarly, like, in New Zealand, a lot of our celebrities are sports people. So it's things like um, mm. a girl I went to high school with was in the Olympic rowing team at Rio. So. Oh, so awesome. Really puts my life in perspective. Um, <laughs> no, she was absolutely lovely and she really uh, deserved that opportunity. It was fantastic. You probably do that you just can't think of right now. Yeah, <laughs> probably just not thinking hard enough. So what's been your most um, tangentially famous interaction? I cannot think of it. <laughs> I don't know, like maybe when someone from like a really niche industry follows me on t- follows me back on Twitter and I'm like, oh my God. I mean, they're not like a celebrity celebrity, but I think they're awesome. <laughs> That's what I count as, like, a celebrity encounter is. Do you know um, Swift on Security? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <gasps> she followed you back? I know. Oh, my God. You're famous now. I know. You've made it. You're a thought leader. Uh, yeah, I've, I've made it. That's it. Bye. I'm going to go hide in, in an island now. <laughs> <laughs> Bye, public life. No, but just little things like that is really cool. But I know some of your encounters <laughs> you do my my favorite one the one that happened really recently um mm. so i can't remember who started it but someone on twitter was posting about female science communicators because there'd been another event that was entirely men 
yay. And I sort of made the point, oh, yeah, it was the Royal Society of New Zealand for their whatever anniversary. They've got a whole host of speakers and every single one of the speakers is a dude. And I think they're almost all white dudes, which is embarrassing because, like, the people who invented R are at the University of Auckland. Like, get your shit together, New Zealand. Like, put Rossi Haka on that list. Like, put just – anyway – I'm calm. It's okay. <laughs> and we were sort of tweeting and talking about it. And I was like, here, like, there are a lot of female science communicators that would give, like, really good talks to the Royal Society of New Zealand because their, like, anniversary tour is a lot of their public outreach. And so I was like, people like Nanogirl, Megan Dickinson, people like Susie Wiles, who's um, at the University of Auckland as well. So those are both Aucklanders. And then I was like, also Susie Cato, because Susie's World was probably, like, my first introduction She's to my child's science. Hero. Yeah, right? Like, her sweaters. Oh, my God. And she tweeted me back. When I saw that, I I literally teared up. Like, you have no, I, I literally teared up. I think I was sitting in the office and I was just, like, crying. And my colleagues were like, what's wrong? I'm like, Susie Cato Susie tweeted Kato. me back. And they're like, we don't know who this is. Um, it was just... Yeah, I screen capped it and I sent it to my parents and I said, I've peaked. And they responded and said, yes. <laughs> Oh my gosh, Susie! I love her so much. I know. I remember like watching, you know, because she had that morning show for like kindergarten kids, kind of thing. And then she had Susie's World, and I like followed her throughout my childhood life. (sighs) Susie's World is so good, so great. And I think as well, like quite a legitimate call on the fact that people often forget. science communicators who are aimed at children because like children do they exist but like Susie Cato is honestly like one of the best people to have communicating science to your children out there Mm. like she's incredible she knows so much she wears the best jumpers that have ever existed she's really good at breaking complex ideas down she's everything I love her oh so great and she tweeted me and said that I was clearly very passionate for my field Uh... (laughs) I might meet her one day that would be mind-blowing. It's what I love about New Zealand as well, the fact that, like, you could just, like, meet a celebrity one day. Oh, my gosh. So one of my Dunedin friends who works at Otago Museum met Susie Kato. Oh, the dream. Oh, the dream. I also nearly cried seeing, like, he, he's got a smiling selfie next to her. It's, oh. oh. So good. I think we just need to, like, take a moment to just bask in our love for Susie Kato. <laughs> <laughs> Because I can't remember any, like, celebrity talking points at all. (laughs) I just, like, I really don't think she gets enough credit for the incredible work she did in shaping an entire generation of New Zealand children. Like, but yeah, no, that's that's such a New Zealand interaction, though. (laughs) It's like how um, Sam Neill has a vineyard in New Zealand, and he doesn't have his name on it because he wants people to buy it because the wine is good, not because it's Sam Neill's wine. (laughs) That's cute. (laughs) Which is quite wonderful. Sam Neill, of course, being a famous New Zealand actor. Something that I think about quite a bit and something we sort of briefly touched on um, earlier was when it comes to celebrities having a duty to be role models for groups they represent, how that interplays with mental illness. Because I know that, like, it's been really encouraging um, for a lot of people to have Amanda Burns talk about her mental illness, talk about, um, for I think Selena Gomez has talked about her issues with self-harm. 
particularly when celebrities come out and talk about uh, eating disorders, come out is maybe the right word, when people talk very bluntly about mental health and it not only sort of humanises them in a very strong way, it provides encouragement to a lot of people who are parts of the communities who are affected by mental illness. Whether celebrities should talk about it and how we sort of treat them when they do talk about it because I think there is like a very stark difference in how we treat women and men who talk about mental illness and there's probably um although I haven't really looked into it that much because uh, as you can probably tell I find it quite a difficult topic to talk about there's probably differences in how we treat uh, people of different races when they talk about their mental health I think there's also a valuable discussion to be had uh, discussing when celebrities uh, die by suicide. Uh, so, mm. for example, um, Chester Bennington quite recently was reported to have died by suicide, uh, and Robert Williams relatively recently still, which is like, yeah, that was a big one. That was a doozy. Chris Cornell. And I was wondering what your thoughts were on that. Sad. I'm sad. <laughs> no, I have. I have nothing interesting insightful or smart to say about this no I've, I've got nothing I'm sorry <laughs> I'm always very pleased when celebrities talk about their struggles with mental health yeah um, I think it's a very valuable discussion to be having and a valuable ongoing discussion to be having I think we need to be very self-reflective about what we say when we do that because mm. again like people have talked a lot of shit about Amanda Burns and Lindsay, Lo- Lindsay Lohan and people who have like made very brave steps to talk about their mental illness and their mental health. And when you talk shit about a celebrity who discusses things like that, you make it more difficult for people around you to do that. And so like, I had a friend who relatively recently actually started discussing their mental health in public and they were terrified. Yeah. Like, they were so scared that people would be like, oh, well, nah, though. And I think as well, like, because everything we do and say is so public, we also need to hold ourselves almost to a higher standard when discussing those things. So, like, there are very, very strict laws surrounding reporting of suicide and how to discuss that effectively because, um, and this has been shown in studies dating back to, like, the 1700s, essentially when a suicide is... A death by suicide is highly publicised. There are copycat attempts. Yeah. And that's rough. Like, that's really difficult to see happening in the wake of something that is already a tragedy. And, like, that was very much a concern of mine in the wake of hearing about Chester Bennington's death. So yeah. uh, he was a lead singer in Linkin Park, that being a very popular band among teenagers who struggled with their mental health and even when like Robin Williams died like that had this huge impact on a lot of people and so I think like I don't know like I I want to know what you think about this sort of cultural response to celebrity death particularly celebrity deaths via suicide I don't I don't know I'm putting you on the spot I'm very sorry (laughs) (laughs) because you know while you say it's it's so impactful for a celebrity to be open about any mental health struggles they're going through. And that can, a lot of the times, act as like a as hope. 
as a, a beacon of light for everyone else going through similar struggles, seeing, you know, this person is very visible, very successful, um, and they're going through the same things as I am, therefore, you know, there's hope for me. But I guess in, in talking about that, when something like what happens does happen, it I don't know. I don't know how to approach it because it's like, if we talk about it, that might be doing more bad than good. But if we don't talk about it, it's never going to get better. So I guess, I guess the question is just how can we talk about it in a very respectful and considered way? Because I certainly don't want to publicly pretend like it never happened. Yeah. I was also very aware, because like, the news was quite shocking to me, because I grew up on Lincoln Park, like, that was just, it took me through hard times, it was, it, was, it was great. Yeah, and I had to, like, take some time to process it. Usually celebrity deaths don't do much to me, it's like, oh no, someone died, that's, you know, really sad, but this one kind of hit me quite close to home because it was a part of me growing up in my formative years. And so, because we're trained to just express ourselves online, you start and I started posting, oh no, I'm really sad, you guys, this thing has happened. But yeah, like, just like you said, after posting that, I was like, wait a minute. Because I know that study about how um, reports of suicide does encourage copyright. So, well, like, there are, there are particular ways of reporting it that are particularly harmful, which is, like, mm-hmm. language you use and how you report it. Like, not even journalists follow all of those guidelines all the time, which can be really shitty to see as someone who has been there done that still experiences it sometimes the other thing is like something i found very very frustrating in the wake of ron williams's death is so many people who have been very dismissive to me about my mental health were posting about it like anyone feel free to come and talk to me i'm here for you we need to like support each other this is a tragedy it should never have happened it's like hold the fuck on get back here (laughs) and i think it's it's so much, like, it really frustrates me mm. to see people around me doing that kind of... Performance? Virtue signalling, yeah. basically, yeah. Because of the way that we live our lives, because, like, this huge chunk of our lives now is performative, that we have to sort of publicly say, like, oh, I'm sad about this, and I'm supportive of you, and your mental health struggles, and this was a tragedy, and it should never have happened, and it's like... Mate, when I tried to talk to you about, like, my suicidal ideation, you told me I wasn't serious enough. Like, really? Are you Mm. really? Like, what is this? And, I mean, that's just, I don't know where to really go from there. It's just something I personally find, like, incredibly frustrating to see the sort of performative allyship happening from people. It's just, I think it's disgusting. Like, (laughs) That's probably the the worst case of it that I've heard. I mean, like, you see performative allyship. Everywhere, right? You know, people being like, oh, I care about this and this, I care about diversity, and then does nothing to actually help solve it. And that happens a Yeah. <laughs> that example specifically is pretty disgusting. Yeah. Celebrity is really weird when it becomes... When I look at the phenomenon of celebrity and when I look at how people treat celebrities and what celebrities are to the cultural narrative that we're all experiencing it does seem like they're treated not as humans but as representations and as metaphors of ideas or memories and I think this is where a lot of the tension comes from is that they are humans you know they're everyday people but 
what they mean to a lot of people and what they symbolize to a lot of people is not human at all. And that's when, yeah, that's when a lot of rational response to any person doing one thing or any event happening is, it just kind of goes out the window. Because we're, we're no longer responding to another human being saying a thing or doing a thing. We're responding to our idea of X, Y, Z, saying a thing, doing a thing. I mean, I think, like, associated with that, we often can feel a an undeserved sense of ownership over celebrities. And I think that can be very difficult to pass both within yourself and I think it's probably very, very difficult for the celebrity to pass, like, for them to understand the fact that you feel... Like, their fans who they've never met feel like they own that person. And I was um, reading someone on Twitter who I was considering following, and she's 16 and, like, this incredibly well-spoken 16-year-old. And she was sort of saying, like, because I'm kind of famous on Twitter, like, she's, like, 4,000 followers, like, people think they can just be incredibly familiar with me and my mentions, and here's a hot tip if you're an adult man, don't do that like it's gross and essentially like this familiarity with people that we feel like we know because we're their fan I think that can be quite difficult to understand within yourself if it's something you're doing to someone you really look up to or see as a celebrity um but like I can't imagine it's easy for the celebrities yeah I think some somewhere in this episode we have to mention Beyonce can I just can I just put that out there yeah Her photo with her twins. Right, and like the backlash to that as well. Aww. Have you seen the backlash? Really? I didn't see the backlash. I just saw the photo and I was like, you look like Botticelli's Venus and I'm here for it. <laughs> Obviously, there's going to be backlash to a black woman who's celebrating life. Um, mostly it was just like, how dare you treat yourself as some kind of god. You know, it, it's just basically criticizing how how much um ceremony she's put around giving birth to her twins and criticizing well she hasn't really she like has, she was pretty quiet yeah. about the birth this was a like she took the photo a month after yep. they've been born at her house i think beyonce does the split between her personal and her public lives very very well she really does if you think about what we know about beyonce hmm. it's things she wants us to know exactly there's nothing more than that it's incredible. And it's been endlessly fascinating because I think when when you look at the idea of celebrity from a very like academic perspective and kind of just looking at how they quote unquote play the game of celebrity, how they keep their public appearance, how they control it, Beyonce is probably one of the best, if not the best, quote unquote players in the game. She, much like Kim Kardashian, will take things negative things sometimes horrendous things in her life and she will make something from it like I don't know much about Kim Kardashian but I know that she what launched her into fame was that sex tape and it was a sex tape that was recorded without her consent and she took that horrendous situation and she decided to take control of it and she made sure that the release of that benefited her rather than damaging her which to some degree, like, I have to respect. She's incredible. No, whenever someone posts one of those memes, it's like, in a world of Kim Kardashians, be Marie Curie. And it's like, I'd rather be, like, a multi-billion dollar right. business empire mogul than dying of cancer when I'm, like, 40. Exactly. Like, she she knows what she's doing. And similarly with Beyonce, like, when she was going through that 
time. From what I understand, like she has been struggling with miscarriages and stillbirths for a very long time. And while this was happening, Jay-Z was going around having affairs. And this was apparently what prompted that elevator incident in which Solange starts going off at Jay-Z. Which, in retrospect, like, fair enough. Yep, cool. You defend your sister. But she took all of that and she made Lemonade, which was just the most incredible album. And I have no idea how it didn't win the Grammy for Best Album. It encompassed so much of what she was feeling. And this is kind of like, I don't know, I'm not talking complete sentences because I'm getting really excited. (laughs) (laughs) It's fair enough. You're talking about Beyonce and she is the queen. Yeah, like Beyonce for so much of her career has been one of those untouchable celebrities, has been one of those celebrities where instead of being like a, they're just like us celebrities, instead of being like, you know, I'm just like anyone else, she, she was one of the ones who seemed to just be incredible with little to no effort and throughout time that image has changed into I don't know she's she's taken a lot of the struggles that she's gone through in her life and curated that and crafted it in a way to like package and serve to the masses and that sounds really cold but it it's actually quite incredible what she's managed to do and I mean as well many of her struggles are common Exactly, yeah. Often to women, often to black women, and they are finally having a voice that is speaking honestly about what they're experiencing. Yeah, and that just how she's managed to not only survive through those traumas and survive through those times, but she's managed to take that and through her artistry, through her writing, through her performances, turn that into a piece of art that people can consume and can relate to and can be influenced and uplifted by. that, And that's incredible. And what's really interesting, so have you heard um, Jay-Z has released, like, a response album? Oh, God. Oh, Jay-Z, really? <laughs> yeah. I have not. Please tell me about it. Um, it's all right. I don't know, it's... It's a lot more down to earth, if that makes sense. It's a, he's kind of doing a very similar thing that Beyonce is doing in that, you know, you're taking very authentic pieces of your life and performing that authenticity and really trying to, I don't know, I feel like in Jay-Z's case, he's much, he's got a much more um, businessman approach and <laughs> mm. that he knows that this is going nice. to sell. <laughs> well, he's not a businessman. He's a business man. The combination of these two albums really fascinate me because it, it makes me think, and I guess this is what makes celebrities, really big celebrities, fascinating in general, is that we all kind of are stuck here as normal people, wondering how much of this was planned, how much of this was performed, how much of this was done in the spur of the moment, what is real, what isn't real, while at the same time being like, actually, I don't care what's real and what's not real, because this is having a positive influence on people. I could talk about Beyonce for days. <laughs> Well, I mean, it's fair enough. She she is the queen. Sorry, I'm just I'm just thinking about Beyonce now. Did you know they trademarked their twins' names? And it's another it's another one of those actions that prompt a lot of criticism because it's like 
what do you think your children are? Items to be consumed, trademarked, patented kind of thing. But at the same time, it's like, or are you doing this to protect them? So yeah. It's like they might not want to go into the family business of being incredibly famous and very good at life, but if they do, then they're protected. And I think that's a very valuable step to take. So I think one of the final things we should touch on is the role of reality television in shaping essentially like what we see as a celebrity, right? Because there are a lot of people who have become celebrities through just being like on reality TV a whole bunch. And maybe they don't have a whole lot of skills. And like I'm I'm thinking more so about um I think in the US is a lot more common than it necessarily is in New Zealand or Australia and that's partly because uh, the US is a larger market. I think they have a lot more reality TV shows for people to go on and become like dealer celebrities. And I think also just like there's more opportunities to be a person who is slightly famous and be able to make your living off that. Whereas I think if someone tried that in New Zealand, they're gonna be like, fuck off, get a real job, mate. Ah, uh, bro. Fuck off, get a real job, bro. They'd say the first one in Australia. And I was just sort of wondering, like, what your thoughts were on that. Like, the fact that there is, like, a number of people who go on The Bachelorette or The Bachelor every season to be slightly famous. To just perform that. I guess a, a big part of it is the whole, our own fascination with celebrities. And I don't think anyone hasn't had that moment where they've seen a celebrity do something or say something and you'd think... If I were in their shoes, I'd do something different. Yeah. Is it a fascination with celebrity or is it a fascination with humanity? I think they go hand in hand. Because I think celebrity is essentially the performance of humanity. And while celebrities, you know, celebrities are people, but they embody something a lot bigger than themselves. They embody symbols. They The masses will project their own ideologies onto these celebrities. It's a fascination with humanity. And in some ways, it's a fascination of the game of celebrity itself and people thinking, maybe I could play this game better. You know, I'm, I'm seeing how the celebrity is performing themselves and I think I could do a better job of it. Um, I just want to, like, jump back to something you said a few times. When you talk about celebrities as being, as people, like, projecting their ideologies onto celebrities... Do you think that's why it's so jarring when a celebrity comes out? So, like, when Ellen came out and she was... And it's the difference between someone becoming a celebrity and then coming out and someone becoming a celebrity after they've come out. So I think Neil Patrick Harris has always been out as a sort of counterexample to Ellen, who came out after she was already hosting, like, um, daytime TV. Do you think that's why? Yeah, exactly. And it's also why there's so much ignorance involved when a beloved celebrity does something bad as well because they're the symbol of this idea in your head and then they've performed an action or a truth has been revealed about them that completely goes against what what you've projected onto them in your mind there's there's a lot of backlash so yeah that's i think that's exactly why yeah the the more symbols rather than people even though they are people and they should be treated as people. Their their function in society is something else. The Kim K, like Paris Hilton kind of celebrity, rather than like a musician or an actress or Hey, Paris Hilton mm-hmm. is a fantastic actress. Who? Um have you seen Repo the Genetic Opera? No. Okay, Paris Hilton is in it and she has got like a Best Supporting Actress award for it, so what? She she has those skills, but continue. Yeah, but you know what I mean, like the, yeah, yeah, the brand of celebrity. <laughs> just being nitpicky. <laughs> the brand of celebrity that's like known for 
being famous. Being famous because they're famous. The interesting thing about that is that it's like a like a postmodern kind of version of celebrity where <laughs> there's there's no veil. With your traditional celebrities like musicians and actresses and whatnot, there's a kind of veil in which it's like I am a musician, I'm doing this thing, and this is my personality, and this is, like, what I think, and none of this is, you know, this is all authentic, like, this, I'm just saying what I think, and none of this is performed, none of this is, I'm not playing a game, you know, I'm just here to make music, kind of thing, and that, there's a, there's a heavy veil in the traditional form of celebrity around the whole performance aspect of their private lives. But with Kim K and Paris Hilton, although I don't know anything about Paris Hilton, obviously, it's interesting because they've taken that veil and that has become their thing. Like, a musician plays music, but Kim K is famous. She is a celebrity. And while other people are, you know, they've got some kind of substance, I've got X skill, and they try and hide the whole surface polishing, they try and hide the whole performance aspect of it, Kim K is like... I am all performance, zero substance. Like, this is exactly what people want, and I am going to just focus on doing that and being that. Do you reckon, like, to a lesser extent, or at least to uh, a lesser extent as dictated by the ability of technology at the time, like, Oprah would fall into that group as well? And the group of just being People famous. who are famous for being famous. Maybe. Oprah is a lot more... Because, like, when you consider... Like, when she sort of started and how her um, TV show started. Like, I think she did that to as large an extent as the technology at the time allowed. Oprah, I feel like, is completely different again. Because, yeah, it's just a different force. Because she, she's still in the brand of celebrity that makes stuff. And, and I'm not saying that Kim Kardashian doesn't create things. But Kim Kardashian's fame and her notoriety is not around her making things. It's around her... Simply existing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whereas Oprah, I guess she's like a more of an in-between. I wouldn't know. What I do recommend, because I am not like a celeb expert, I have done no studies in these things, but um, a few years ago I saw a talk by Anne Helen Peterson, who has a PhD in media studies, and she focuses on celebrity gossip, mm -hmm. which um, at the time I was like, that sounds like trash. But she gave this talk, and it was the most fascinating talk ever. I'll, I'll send you a link, and we can post a link in the in the doobly doo. But yeah, I'd encourage listeners to read some of her work as well. She wrote a she wrote a really fascinating essay about how there is a vacuum of white female celebrities at the moment, and how that kind of relates to the hyper-politicized world that the U.S. is in right now. It's really fascinating stuff. Oh, cool. Yeah. She is cool. I'm just, um, I'm thinking about John Cho now. John Cho! Yes! John Cho. John Cho. John Cho in every film. John Cho for everything. He's an incredible actor. He's so good. So I've watched this, uh, very, very good TV series called Go On, mm -hmm. which stars Chandler Bing. Um, Matthew Perry is a guy whose wife has really recently died, mm -hmm. uh, and he's like kind of a radio show host, and he gets made to go to group counselling after he freaks out at someone who's on the radio show and throws grapes at him. Okay. It's fine. And John Cho is like his manager at the radio station, and he's just like, fantastic. Like, every time I see John Cho in something, I'm like, why is he not in everything? I know. He's so good. The one thing that sticks in my head about John Cho is... 
uh, the 2009 Star Trek interview where uh, he says something about how Chris Pine isn't good at acting, but he is good at sit-ups. It's just the gif that goes through my head every time I hear about John I feel like a lot of the um, non-white male celebrities are really undervalued for like how good quality they are. Yeah. But I also feel like that's as insightful as saying, hey, Serena, I think racism still exists. <laughs> you don't say... Can we really briefly talk about the starring John Cho advent? Yes, please. So a couple of years ago, Serena will find out exactly when, uh, I think it was on Twitter that started off um, as a criticism of Oscars So White, I believe, or one of those other scenarios where like just a lot of white people winning awards that like we didn't fucking deserve, let's be honest. And people started up a campaign called Starring John Cho, which was just like a trending hashtag on Twitter for a while, where you Photoshop John Cho into movie posters for just any movie, like any movie. And part of the argument made for like using John Cho was the fact that he had already shown that he has this incredible breadth of acting talent. So he's been on Go On, he's one of this trashy rom-com called Selfie, I think, like... He's been in Star Trek. He's been in, like, all of these other films. Like, he can do serious. He can do, like, caring. He can do silly. He's this very, very good actor. And so people were just photoshopping him into posters. And the one that really sticks to my head was um, the poster for The Martian that had John Cho photoshopped into it, which is just so incredible. Like, The Martian has its issues, and not mm-hmm. all of them would have been solved by having a man of colour in the main role, but I would have watched the shit out of a movie with John Cho in that role. Yes. So it happened um, last May, May 2016. <sighs> so Over a year ago. I know. And apparently there was also a starring Constance Wu. Yes, I remember that. Constance Wu was also very good. Who's the best. She, she's... Oh, fuck, she's great. <laughs> she's in um, Fresh Off the Boat, right? Yeah, yeah. She's made some very good calls and interviews with people about that show. She plays Jessica Huang, and she has a an accent for that role. And there have been many interviews where she's been asked to essentially do that accent because she's like, yeah, I spent a lot of time training. I spent a lot of time, like, talking to, like, the actual guy's wife because it's kind of autobiographical. Uh, not wife, sorry, uh, mom. Like, I've been really, like, I worked really hard to make that accent happen. And often, the often white interviewer will then be like, Oh, can you do it? And she's just like, No, it's not a party trick. Yeah. And she's done it so many times, and every time she just has this most disparaging look on her face that makes me so happy. Yes, she's fantastic. And she's made very good calls. I actually can't remember where I was going with this. I just wanted to mention hashtag starring John Cho. Oh, that's right. And yes, we're talking about celebrity. How celebrities, their faces, their visual representations, they become kind of disconnected from the actual human. This is like a prime example of fans projecting their own wants and needs onto celebrities. John Cho, even though I'm sure he's loving this idea, and he would absolutely support more Asian-American actors starring in films. He didn't ask for this, right? Mm. It's it's all what the people want and all what the people have projected onto him. Suddenly he's become this icon, this symbol for diversity in, in Hollywood. I think in a similar way to what Laverne Cox's experience for being like one of the main high-profile trans actresses out there, like particularly... Um, 
in the juxtaposition of Laverne Cox playing like Laverne Cox playing a trans woman in Orange is the New Black, like and doing so very, very well. And then Eddie Redmayne being cast to play a trans woman in the Danish girl and it's like, mm, not a woman though, are you, Eddie? <laughs> Seems like that's not a good casting choice. No, questionable. And so because like she's been so high profile and she remains so high profile and she is actually quite an outspoken trans activist and like is very good when she talks about these issues. She has become a simple and that's just simply by being there. I think that's um a pretty awesome high note to end on. You have been listening to Things of Interest. We've been talking about celebrity today and the ins and outs and tensions between real people and symbols and what they represent. If you enjoy this episode, we'll ask you our normal favours. Please do share it with a friend. Go on the iTunes and give us some stars. Let us know what you think. Leave a review. Uh, You can follow us on Twitter at Casting Interest. We're also on Facebook as Things of Interest. And as always, you can email us if you've got suggestions, ideas, want us to cover a particular topic, or just want to say hi. We're castinginterest at gmail.com. I've been Sophia Friends. And I'm Serena Chen. And as always, stay interesting.